Welcome to Cinema Talk, the official podcast of the UW Cinematheque and the Wisconsin Film Festival. I'm Jim Healy, Director of Programming. We are continuing our discussions with filmmakers whose work is featured in the 2021 edition of the Wisconsin Film Festival, and on this episode of Cinema Talk, I speak with Achal Mishra, the writer, director, producer, and editor of an astonishing debut feature, Gamak Gar, or as it's been retitled in English, The Village House. The Village House gently and lovingly captures a large extended Indian family over several decades as they gather at the matriarch's rural home. As the movie follows the inevitable rhythms of change, such as children growing older and moving away to the city, it is the village house itself that emerges as a central character in this tale of the inexorable decay of traditional village life. Achal Mishra keeps the film continually captivating on a visual level through gorgeous fixed camera long takes, and he has split this generational story into three separate chapters that take place years apart, employing a different screen aspect ratio for each segment. The narrative mostly avoids moments of tension to favor a flowing series of warm, nostalgic images, food cooking, old men playing and cheating at cards, a family gathered around a small television to watch a movie. As time slips away and the house slowly falls into disrepair, Mishra's storytelling technique builds to its powerful final moments, resulting in an intimate mini-epic that traces the intertwining of family and nature through the cycle of birth, death, and rebirth. I spoke with Achal Mishra from his current residence in India. As usual, we recommend watching The Village House before listening to our spoiler-filled conversation. Here now is my talk with Achal Mishra. First of all, let me just share my congratulations on the film. I think uh, it's been two years almost since you first screened it, or maybe more. Yeah, yeah, 2019, yeah. And now it's just starting to get shown last year and this year in the U.S. Um, my, uh, you know, I, I've, I've uh, been able to find uh, not too much information about it. So my first question is, is uh, who are the characters in the film? Who are the people? Are they your family? Uh, 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 since I think I think you're only 23 years old, right? Yeah, yeah, twenty-four now. <laughs> You're twenty-four now, so that, yeah. that puts you to be right about the age of, uh, of 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 the baby we see in the first uh, <laughs> yeah. section of the film. Is that yeah. you? And is this your family? Uh not really. I mean, it's completely based on my family, uh, but the people playing the part are people I've known all these uh, for the past four or five years, and there are people actually from the village itself who are uh, playing characters. Uh, but it's 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 actually set in our own house. That's my house you see in the film. Uh, and yeah, it's the whole family is based on my own family. It's like a fictionalized version of it. Yeah. And uh, was your grandfather a playwright? Yeah, he was. Okay, and and he wrote novels and yeah, uh, other things too. And plays, yeah. Uh, so then. Um, the actors you say are people from the village. Are they at all pro- professionals or? Uh... Uh, so uh, two, three actors you see in the film. I think three or four are professional actors. Uh, one of them is the one who is there till the end, Guddu, who gets the house uh, renovated uh, towards the end, uh, and then two or three more. Otherwise, all of them, rest of them are like non-professionals facing the camera for the first time. All right. Yeah. And uh, the. 
among the characters, there are uh, familiar archetypes um, that we might recognize from other films and literature. There's the sometimes overbearing matriarch and mother-in-law. Mm -hmm. There's the, her dutiful and ambitious children. There's the aunt who never married. There are these uncles who are relaxed to a fault. Mm -hmm. um, they're all kind of universally relatable and yeah. uh, immediately recognizable to me. So I, I wonder then, were you strictly drawing on your own family experience or did you have to kind of, uh, uh, to what degree did you have to pull into the well of fiction and other films and literature for inspiration to, to create the various characters? So I think the writing was, you know, the writing happened in parts. Like I wrote the first part first uh, and then we shot it. And then I wrote the second part. Uh, by part, I mean the 1998 and then the 2010. So, you know, the writing of the first part, actually the whole of it, all of it came from my memory. So each of the family members you see is somehow based on some of, some of the other family member I've known, you know. Mm -hmm. So once that foundation was there, which was, you know, completely personal, after that I started uh, fictionalizing it. You know, uh, that, that trajectory over the years was then fictionalized. So, like, this, the things which happened to them afterwards in 2010, like like the miscarriage thing or uh, selling the plot. So, all these the, these things are uh, fictionalized in a way. But, you know, the foundation, the, where they came from is uh, somewhere or the other based on someone I've known. I see. Um, there are uh, lots of moments in the film that... Um, deal with these kind of seemingly uh, average moments. Uh, mm -hmm. So it might appear to the average viewer that very little happens in the movie, but of course everything happens. Yeah. Uh, it's filled with ceremonies and incidents and episodes. Uh, but except for the moments in the last two sections that deal with the, with the families moving away from the house or stopping to go there as a gathering place everything that happens that traditionally makes for action and drama and movies is played out as natural and every day um mm -hmm. which is one of the film's great great achievements and it makes the the actions in the, in the last section of the film that much more poignant and emotionally powerful but did this require any sort of rigorous preparation on your part um and i'm thinking especially here of when it came to directing the actors Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, initially, even in the writing process, I was, you know, constantly uh, trying to, you know, bring everything down. Like I would, I remember I would write things which were more dramatic, so to say. And then by the end of it, I would, you know, cut it all down. And, you know, because I was, as I was writing, I was realizing that, you know, these were like uh, one day events, like, you know, people would just come together and a lot didn't really happen on those one day. All of it happened in the betweens, you know, the one year that had passed in between. And so I realized there are so many unspoken things uh, at that one very day when all of them are together. But a lot has changed and, you know, say after 12 years. So I don't really have to put it there on that very day itself, you know. So I, I, I kept deleting all of it. Hmm. Uh, after that, I think in working with actors, it was definitely a challenge because I was uh, working with different kinds of, you know, uh, people or uh, actors and non-actors. 
so the actors come with their own idea of what a film is and you know how it's going to proceed and how one's going to act and the non actors they are on a completely opposite spectrum so and there was a different dynamic there uh because they would uh, start uh, rehearsing the lines and uh then i had to sort of start deleting the lines as well the dialogues i mean because it would all come out very rehearsed so what i did was then i would just give them a gist of what the scene is and i wanted them to speak those lines and it obviously took a lot of time i think uh if you if you had seen the script for the first part the 1998 bit it was you know it was much more verbose it had a lot many more dialogues mm. but none of them worked out in during the shoot so i was very i was very um, anxious and i was like i was not sure what i'm making at all because we we couldn't even have a workshop like a traditional workshop with the actors and non actors to sort of get them to know each other so none of that none of that happened we started shooting and none of it is working and the actors are also now getting uh they are also sort of scared because they they, they they've never seen this setup with these lights and sound and all so they, they are worried that they might uh, sort of jeopardize my film that they're scared that way you know that by not performing well mm. so this went on for you know the first schedule i think but i think by the second time we got uh, together to shoot again they were so much more comfortable uh, you know uh, just getting to knowing each other so i remember one or two scenes i had to do like you know almost close to nothing i would i would tell them what the scene is and what i want from it and i would tell them to bring up the dialogues themselves so then it would come out so naturally and it would have so much you know vernacular detail in it which you know i could have i thought i could have never written you know the little things people how people joke in the village and you know things like that sure yeah um there's a wonderful sequence in the first part where we get the first inclination that something is happening to the family things are changing and it's mm-hmm. um Uh, it's 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 intercutting two things that are happening in two different places at the house there's the what is the relatively passive viewing of a movie on a television uh mm-hmm. by a pair of the older uncles and and four of the children and that's yeah. intercut with a scene where three uncles are discussing the things that are ultimately yeah. going to mean the disbursement of the family away from the the home So I I'm 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 curious to know what your thinking was with the cutting of these scenes especially since cinema and filmmaking are in your future and they're all sitting around watching a a Salman Khan film uh, um was there any uh significance to the to the cutting of this relatively or completely passive moment and and the suggestion that uh, things were changing I I don't think there was like any specific intention as such but I think that is something I have uh Uh, you know it's it's there throughout the first part you know there's something happening inside there's something happening outside so that i i, I uh, more than the intention of it i think what i was wanted was to have this certain rhythm uh, to the timing uh, there you know so i was working more on the rhythms of the day and how the evening comes so if you see the movie starts very slowly uh and then i think towards the evening it's sort of peak space uh when the when, after the sunset when everyone is getting ready uh in that way so i was working more on the rhythms uh so to say it's wonderful um in the second to last in the middle section uh, towards the end of the middle section just before the 
the the the brief final section the the most dramatic moment um comes towards the end when the the grandmother the matriarch is yeah taken away and uh, uh one thing you do is um lay music uh in this section um and it's 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 very nice and uh, emotional music and there's not too much more music throughout the film there are examples here and there um can you talk about your the use of music and and why you chose the the composer you did and and uh and what you wanted to do um with the music uh so the composer composer is a, a very old friend of mine he used to do all the short films i used to do mm. uh he's composed all my music so our initial idea was to have you know uh, like one single melody which keeps changing you know it keeps repeating as well because repetition was uh, one of our main sort of motifs throughout the film even in sort of the shots we do so we keep repeating the shots even in certain sounds we keep repeating them so that was something we wanted to do with the music as well so there's that we had i think in the end we had two melodies which we keep repeating so the one you hear when the grandmother is leaving is something which has actually come in the beginning as well in a different you know in a more with more guitars and stuff and sure. later on it 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 turns more somber with like the violin and so that, i think that was the idea uh uh wonderful and can you talk about um the use of uh food as uh, i mean certainly it's clear that it's a it's a uh, reason to gather it's part of the ceremonies or yeah. uh, both both religious ceremony and also just the ceremony of being with your family um did you have to strategize at all in terms of what what foods go where in the film and and uh and how how we see them yeah definitely i mean i think there was a lot of research in that to get you know the very details right like i remember uh, there's a feast happening in the first part you know everyone's sitting on the floor and they're eating and i remember cuz i mean i've not been a complete local i didn't have an idea but there were pe- people who were serving uh, there's rice and then there's dal and then the fish comes you know and we didn't know so we started serving something else after the fish fish and we realized fish is like the final thing which comes so you know these were the little details which we were learning while we were shooting you know oh. uh, so there was that and there were certain things which i was uh, already very particular about because you know i think food is a very important sort of factor for nostalgia you know to so uh, they 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 are frying these things in the uh, in the kitchen and then the the mangoes particularly so uh, i remember we were shooting in june the first part and june is the month for the mangoes here uh but we couldn't complete the shoot so we had to do a patchwork in october and october is not a month for mangoes here you know so i had to go to the capital new delhi and go to a supermarket there and get off season mangoes just for the shoot you know <laughs> to have, you have that continuity did you have to hang them from the trees uh, no 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 just, just that, that just, was in the early shoot another, okay. yeah yeah that that'd be hope that we're able to get that, that in june yeah okay yeah okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah. What is Maggi? The one of the children requests Maggi oh, so at one point. Ma- Maggi is a quick noodle. It's a two-minute ah. noodle. Yeah. And you uh, boil it quickly and. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
but yeah. but but it's it's very popular with children. It's very uh, it's very popular in India. It's, oh, okay. it's, it's available everywhere in all the hill stations. It's like a quick fix, okay. and it's like spicy, like Indian way. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> um, well, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, your visual strategies and your visual uh, storytelling. Mm -hmm. But uh, first, let me ask about the actual house. You said this was a house that belonged to your grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. And and then so then, uh, what did you have to do to? prepare and show its decay uh so you know how the idea of the film started is uh there were talks in my family to do a renovation in that house uh to renovate that house into something else into a, like a double story or something and that's when i sort of you know i had this itch in my head that i need to do something here before the house changes so i was i was thinking maybe maybe a short film something which has this house as a backdrop uh, uh, to it, and that's how I think this it snowballed into this. You know, I realized I'm making a feature film only, right. and the initial plan was that I'll shoot the ending of the film when the renovation happens. Uh, but when I started making the film for my family, the film became much more important than the renovation. So mm -hmm. they said, "He, you know, the renovation can happen later. You do your film now." Okay. <laughs> so I had to do that, you know, the deconstruction bit in the end for the film itself. Okay. Uh, but I actually shot uh, in the uh, in the order you see the film. So we first shot the 1998 bit. We dressed up the house nicely. We painted it. Uh, we planted a lot of trees and flowers and everything. And then we always had like two months gap between our shoots because we wanted to shoot in certain seasons. We wanted the summer to feel like summer than uh, that. So we, whenever we had that, those breaks, I was also writing this, uh, the script for the next part. And at the same time, our production designer was working on aging the house. So aging mostly involved removing the trees and breaking some doors and <laughs> things Chipping like away that. at and paint? Yeah, 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 a lot of it. And it was extreme in the end, like what you see, mm. what you see the house. I, I mean, I couldn't see it from with my eyes that they were like, you know, <laughs> chipping away at the walls. Yeah. Did you have to uh, do restoration work? Uh, yeah, we, 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 we did that just the next day, like we shot the okay. ending of that. And then just the next day we did it. Put the plants back and, and repainted and yeah, all of that. Um, there are no movements of the camera that I detected in the film. Everything is a stationary yeah. shot. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, uh, I'd like to talk, you to talk about your decision to do that. I, my, my first question is, is uh, were you inspired by Ozu at all? Uh, definitely. Ozu is like one of my biggest, I think, influences. Ozu and a lot of Asian cinema in general. Uh, mm -hmm. Hu Shan from Taiwan. And Hiro Reda from Japan. Hmm. Uh, so uh, Ozu's films have been a big inspiration, especially for uh, the Village House. Early Summer was a big inspiration. Uh, early Summer Ozu's film. Uh, and then I think uh, for the static shots, uh, another idea was that we wanted the film to have this uh, this this photographic approach to it, like. Uh, it it it, fe it should feel like these old photos you're looking at, mm. uh, you know, in that way. Apart from that, the other approach was that the narrative was not, you know, sort of related to any of the characters. 
for us the film was from the house's perspective you know so it was almost like the walls are watching so i wanted to stay there i wanted you know the people the, I, the initial idea was that the people are coming and going and the house is there so to have that sort of you know that 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 i think stability that patience i we wanted to have that you know just block framing with no camera movement at all uh and then we 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 uh, referenced a lot from my old uh, from our old album pictures uh uh so that helped in a lot of production design and uh colors and staging blocking everything uh so that was the idea yeah and if i'm not mistaken in the in the middle section uh the character who's a baby in the first section is is taking photographs right uh no the, that that's the one in the yellow t-shirt in the first part okay uh, yeah the, I, I, yeah, he, yeah he's also taking picture he takes a picture of his family yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah. the kid from the first part yeah, yeah okay yeah. that's the baby from yeah. the first part yeah that's yes. the baby yeah okay yeah, yeah. great yeah. yeah um so do you did you have you it's perfect for the film as you say it makes sense it's it's from the house's point of view uh in your short films and i uh, i don't know how many short films you were able to make did you take a similar approach in terms of yeah the one i the camera yeah the one i made just before the village house it was completely similar it was 4 is to 3 hmm. and it was completely static on the tripod okay yeah and then the other uh great visual touch is the changing aspect ratios with with yeah. with the sequence um we start with uh what i think is maybe smaller than the academy ratio right it's a little it, bit it, more it, narrow it, slightly i think slightly yeah. more narrow yeah and so and, the, uh then yeah, it goes please, to please. Uh, yeah uh so it was something which you know our cinematographer and i discussed a lot uh, before uh, before starting and i was of this opinion that initially that this has been done before and it won't be very much original because uh i remember one of my favorite films from uh, i think china mountains mid apart uh uses the same uh, similar trope or even bigger filmmakers like wes anderson they've done it you know for different time periods they have sure. different aspect ratios <laughs> and it's and it's not like we are actually shooting on film so that it's like 4 is to 3 or you know so we i was scared that it that it doesn't come across as a gimmick so what really you know uh, made me interested in it was that how changing the aspect ratios changes the perception with the space so what mountains may depart hasn't done or what wes anderson ha- they've done it but they've done it with you know different spaces and different things here it was just this one small house and you know how changing the aspect ratio changes how the audience audience sees the house so you know in the last part you see the cinema scope and the house opens up and you've never seen the house like that you know it's like you see the full breadth of it uh and the other idea was that you know it fits so well with the narrative in a way that in the first part it's all you know nice and uh lively and there are all people around so it's the frame is always filled you mm. know in the in that boxy frame and then as it gets you know uh, ahead in time so you get empty spaces and by the th- by the time you see the full breadth there's like no one to uh, you know occupy the house so yeah, that was the idea yeah does the the cinemascope frame is uh, it, it, uh the way you use it it almost evokes you know uh 
desert spaces and westerns and uh yeah <laughs> uh, abandoned ghost towns kind of thing yeah it's, it's quite it's quite effective well I, I would imagine it has a lot more impact uh, in a cinema space with that so i, I got yeah, I want to ask I mean, you about that next about are, are you have you been disappointed that uh so many people have been only able to access your film through these virtual film festivals I mean, I can't complain really because uh, a lot of people ended up watching our film during the lockdown. Uh, and initially, we obviously had a plan for a theatrical release, which could never happen. Hmm. Uh, but the lockdown actually gave us a big audience. Uh, we had a release on movie in India. Huh. Uh, but, you know, when we were doing the festivals before any of this had happened, any uh, corona or anything, I remember watching the film on the big screen and being surprised myself at how well the aspect ratio thing works in the theater, you know, on a big screen. Because, you know, th th those screens are actually built in CinemaScope. So the film is like, it starts like this and then it keeps opening up, you know, oh, unlike what great. it's on a, unlike what's, what it's on a computer screen or a TV. Uh, on the TV, uh, the CinemaScope will have like black bars on top and bottom, but not the theater. They'll, they'll, it, the film will just keep opening up like that. Right, right. Yeah, Did, so have, that, was, that was really nice. To, I'm just professionally curious if any projectionists have tried doing uh, uh, any actual masking of the image along with, with the film, where they just wide, keep it open for CinemaScope and let it, <laughs> let it play out. No, there were, there were a lot of confusions, you know, throughout. We had to tell them that our film is like, this is perfect. <laughs> it, play, it starts like this and then it goes like that. Okay. So, you know, we always have to mention that our film is like three different aspect ratios. Right. So just let it play as it is. So we write that our DCP is CinemaScope. So let it play in CinemaScope okay. and it will keep opening up. Yeah. Okay, that's great. <laughs> um, so then, uh, you know, the uh, what have has the, has everything gone as planned uh, in terms of getting out there? I mean, I know you said you weren't able to get into many cinemas, at least uh, in India. Um, were you able to get it in as many festivals as you like? Now uh, we should say it's been. It's, it has an American distributor, so it's going to be seen yeah. throughout the U.S. Are, are, have you been yeah. have you been happy with the way the, the the release has gone? I've been very happy because you know when we made the film, we had like no plan at all, zero plan. We had like we were all these twenty three year old kids who had just made a film, and we had no idea what to do with it. We didn't know how to submit to festivals. That's why we didn't really make any of them initially. Uh, so we were just like filling all these uh, forms online of these big festivals on the deadline, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, shelling out like 100 pounds and then realizing this is not how, how it works. So uh, our first major festival was uh, Mami Mumbai Film Festival. Mm -hmm. So when that happened and we won, uh, thankfully we won an award there. So that's when things started, you know, picking up slowly. Uh, we started getting uh, invitations from smaller festivals from here and there. And what really worked out was this movie release, which happened here in India. So movie gave us like a, you know, very unexpectedly huge audience, which I was not expecting at all. And I think this was because it was May last year and everyone was like sitting at home and itching for like new content. And uh, our trailer had actually released much earlier. So everyone was like excited for the film and suddenly it came out in May and we had like a really good sort of online release. So I can't really complain. And then uh, thankfully uh, this uh, American distribution thing happened. And so let's, let's hope, uh, yeah.
The film is being released in the U.S. by a new uh, uh, independent distribution outfit called Deaf Crocodile Films. Do you know how it yeah. came to their attention? Uh, so they ha they have a collaboration with uh, Gratitude Films, Anurangachar. Anurangachar, uh, she's been a festival programmer and a producer uh, for a long time. So uh, she knew about our film and she she was the one uh, who got in touch with me and she was like, Achalu, do you be interested? So she's like, yeah, definitely nothing's happening with the film anymore. Uh, so please go ahead. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we really love the film. So I had a chat with them. And uh, they're not just doing... Uh, uh, US, they are also handling international uh, distribution for the film, except India. Yeah, okay. so they'll be trying uh, other territories as well. Yeah, that's great. Well, I wish you great success with that. Can you tell us what you're um, you. planning to do next? Do you have an another film prepared? Uh, so in January, I shot a film. Uh, it was planned to be a short film, but I was writing while we were shooting. So it turned out to be a 60 minute uh thing so i'm actually i'm actually editing it right now and figuring out whether it's going to be like a feature film or like whether i can cut it down to a short film okay uh, but it was completely unplanned it was like very very sudden very impromptu but uh it's turned out i i am liking it uh, so far so we'll see but otherwise i'm i'm also working on uh writing my uh next film so oh, i'm uh very much interested in seeing whatever you turn out next so i hope you share it with us and, and definitely definitely let us know what's happening it's been a pleasure talking with you uh thank Same. you so much are are, are are things okay uh where you are are you staying safe and uh, uh yeah i'm, the, actually, I'm actually yeah things are have gotten really bad of late uh but uh i had come to these the, 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 there's this uh, mountain uh, area, Ladakh, in India. It's like the Alaska of India. It's like okay. the northernmost part. So I was here for a photo shoot, and now I've decided I'll be staying here only, doing my edit work from here until things get better in, okay. in Delhi or Bombay. Yeah. Okay, well, we hope you stay safe.